God's beloved people, grace to you and peace from God our Maker and from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So they stayed in Jerusalem and waited, just as Jesus had instructed. Our reading from the book of Acts picks up where we left off last week. Jesus had ascended, had returned to the heart of God, but not before blessing his disciples and promising them that the story was not finished. I'm sending upon you what my father promised, he said, so stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So they stayed in Jerusalem and waited on a promise. What an odd time that must have been, kind of a liminal space in which they had let go of one reality, one identity, before they really knew what would come next. They were no longer apprentices, working under their master teacher's tutelage, observing him, asking questions. They had heard Jesus call to be witnesses, to share all that they had seen and heard and experienced, but they didn't know what that would look like. They were waiting for the next chapter to be revealed, waiting for the power from on high, as Jesus promised which is exactly what they received. The Spirit of God descended on them as pure energy, wind energy, thermal energy. Their tongues were ignited as they found words to speak about the mighty acts of God, words that were not solely their own. They were inspired, filled with the Spirit. The crowd was disoriented, and I mean that in a good way. All of those boundaries that we human beings erect and set as our orientation points, our identity markers, ethnicity, culture, language, gender, the Spirit of God blew past those boundaries on the day of Pentecost. People who for generations had been scattered around the ancient Near East as the result of various wars, these people had all been gathered together to hear the word of God. And they all understood, each in his or her own native tongue. How is that possible? It was a miraculous moment for sure. Peter connected this moment to the words of the prophet Joel. In those days, God declared, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, even your slaves, both men and women, I shall pour out my spirit on them, and they shall be prophets. Young and old, male and female, enslaved and free, all were chosen by God to bear bear witness to God's activity in the world. This calling was not reserved for a select few. The Spirit of God was on the loose, energizing all sorts of people to do the work of God. It was on that day in Jerusalem that Jesus' followers came to a new understanding of the vast scope and power of the reign of God. This wasn't a cozy little Friends of Jesus club. God's activity in the world transcends time and space, culture and class. 
within that broad scope, they were given a particular job to do, to bear witness to the God they had come to know in Christ. They were to share the stories of this one who had healed them, who had brought them from fear to hope and from death to life. They were to proclaim God's reign to others as vividly and imaginatively as Jesus had proclaimed it to them. Their witness would be made possible by the Spirit of God, poured out in them, giving them energy, making them brave. Pentecost was a dramatic, eye-opening event for these apostles, and their lives would never be the same. This isn't the first time that the Spirit of God arrives on the scene with dramatic flair in the Bible. In our first reading, we heard of that truly absurd task that God assigned the prophet Ezekiel. God takes him out to a valley filled with dry bones and says, Here, preach. Can you imagine I mean, I've preached to some pretty sleepy congregations over the years, but never to anyone that passive and lifeless. Ezekiel does what God tells him to do. He speaks the word of the Lord to the bones. And you know what happens. They start coming together. The foot bone to the shin bone, the shin bone to the thigh bone, you know the song. Muscles and tendons and ligaments find their proper locations like a model found in a biology classroom. Then Ezekiel summons the Spirit of God, which comes from the four winds from every direction, and breathes the bones back to life. The story doesn't end there. This isn't a magic trick. This is about God's power and our purpose. My people are like these bones, the Lord tells the prophet. They are dried up and cut off. How can they fulfill their calling to be a blessing to the nations if they are dried up and dead? By the power of my word, I will raise them. By the power of my spirit, I will put life in them so that they can accomplish that for which I made them, for which I chose them, for which I blessed them. I will breathe my life into them so that they can breathe my life into the world. These are powerful stories that remind us that God pours out God's spirit for a reason. To raise up people who will live as God's people in the world. God sends the spirit to renew the world through people who are inspired to live God's vision according to God's purpose. I think we get confused about this sometimes. We think that the Spirit comes for our own private faith, for our own edification and comfort. The Holy Spirit is the comforter, the advocate, the helper. But it is all for a larger purpose, for sending us into the world to share the blessings of God, to make Christ known in word and deed, to live as citizens in the reign of God. 
Maybe we want to privatize the work of the Spirit because the call to live publicly as the hands and heart of Christ in the world seems so impossible given the world we live in is so broken and wounded. It seems absurd given our own flaws and fickleness. But if the Spirit of God can breathe life into dry bones, the Spirit can work with us. If the Spirit of God can take a group of near-sighted, petty, fear-filled disciples and turn them into the body of Christ, then the Spirit can work with us. Martin Luther wrote that the work of the Spirit is to call and gather and enlighten and sanctify. I would like to add to that. The Holy Spirit makes us useful to God. We who have heard Christ's call, who have been joined to him in life and death, we are part of the ongoing work of God in the world. We are just one part. We have a particular calling to share the God we've come to know in Christ. We offer our gifts and talents to carry on this work in the world, the work of justice, reconciliation, and love. We can trust that no matter how modest we perceive our gifts to be, once the Spirit gets hold of them, they will be useful. God will bless our efforts, multiply them, and use them to renew the whole creation. This time of year at St. Mark's, we are invited to reflect on how we want to use our gifts and talents in the coming year, how we want to invest them in this congregation and in the community at large. To help us do this, we have this tool called Learn, Serve, Grow. Hopefully many of you have received this booklet in the last couple of weeks and have had the time to fill out the response form. If not, you can pick them up on your way out today. That's kind of more of an announcement than a sermon, I know, but they're going to be outside as you leave. Please know that this is not a perfunctory Pentecost ritual we go through each year, a box we check off. This process is a way for us to remember that God's story is not finished yet. God's Spirit is still on the loose, inspiring us and energizing us to be the people of God, calling us to be the body of Christ in this world. We have a part to play in God's reign come among us. So together, like our ancestors before us, let us trust Christ's promise that the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, is surrounding us and filling us as we live into our calling. Thanks be to God. Amen.